0: On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about the LRT. Yes, again, I know it's back in the news, but we're talking about whether or not now that we have a pretty good idea of what the cost is from an independent source, the Auditor General, does it change anything about your view on whether we should do it? Also, we talk about John Lennon. 40 years ago on Tuesday, John Lennon was assassinated. What might have happened? Impossible question to answer, but we can play with it a bit. What might have happened if he had still been with us? What might he have still done? What music might he have still created? What might have happened with the Beatles? We dive into all that stuff after this. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. You now have had roughly 24 hours to digest what we learned from the Auditor General's report yesterday, Bonnie Lissick's report, and specifically the part about the LRT in Hamilton. I know I, I bring this topic up always with an element of caution because I know there are people out there whose eyes just roll back in their head. They're tired of the LRT argument. I get it. I understand that, but it's not going away and we got to resolve this one way or another and shut it down or move along with it. Either make it happen or stop it because this endless whatever does nobody any good. Anyway, come back to the Auditor General's report. The report pointed out that when Carolyn Mulroney, the minister of transportation for the Ford government, came to Hamilton a year ago and said, sorry, it's canceled because it's now costing $5.5 billion, which led all kinds of people to go somewhat apoplectic and say, wait a second, it's a billion dollar LRT, maybe more than that, but five and a half billion? Where'd that come from? Well, Bonnie Lissick looked at it and says, no, those numbers are pretty much right. It's five and a half billion. That's a reasonable number. That's the word she used. It's a reasonable number. Not exact, reasonable number." which means that we got to find a lot more money. If we're going to build this thing, we have to find a lot more money. Now, we understand that the province has said the billion dollars is still there. And we understand that there are some private sector businesses in this community that have said they will come on board in some way with cash or in-kind services or whatever else. They will participate in this to bring that cost to whittle away at what's owed. And we have heard that the federal government is being lobbied hard to participate. However, here is the catch. The premier, about a month ago, when he said, by the way, hey, we want to get this thing done for Hamilton. He has said publicly he wants to see the LRT done, but the billion dollars is where they are done. So we got to find other levels of government. Well, the federal government has a formula, funding formula that would allow it to potentially jump in and give funding. However, there's a catch for that funding formula to kick in. The municipality must contribute 27% of the cost. So if we put in 27% as a city of Hamilton, then the federal government can also add some money and maybe this thing gets done. My question is this up until this point, for, my, for many people, not all, certainly not all, but for many people in this community, including many counselors, a number of counselors, I shouldn't say many, including a number of counselors, the position has been zero money from Hamilton, not a dime. This is not something we're willing to pay for. If someone wants to give us a billion dollars of tax money to make this happen, great. If someone wants to find other money, great. We're not paying money. This would work out to almost a billion and a half dollars that Hamilton would have to chip into this somehow. Should we? That's what I want to know. Now that you know that the cost is in fact roughly five and a half billion, or that's what we're told it is by the auditor general, are you willing to chip in money? Now that we have a dollar figure that this goes with, that we can rely on somewhat, because it's independent, it's away from government numbers, because you never, you know, you always wonder about government numbers. Are you willing to have the city chip in to make this thing happen? Or do you say, no, I'm sorry the deal was always no civic money and therefore we're out. I want to hear from you. 905-645-3221, star 9900. Where this thing is going to become really difficult is if that funding formula as reported is completely accurate because if somehow the city of Hamilton has to put in a billion and a half dollars, and that's over a number of years for sure, but uh, boy, that that is a tough nut at a time when The city is looking to shave expenses, not add big money. Billion and a half dollars is a lot of money, especially when we have an infrastructure deficit in this city of about double that. All the facilities and buildings and roads and bridges we have to maintain that we don't have money for right now. And keep in mind that if you put an LRT in, that costs money to maintain and to operate, and we will be paying for that as well. So I want to know from you, now that we have a pretty good idea what the cost of this thing is going to be, an independent costing, does it change your view at all? Are you willing, now that you know or should know or have some confidence in what this is going to cost, are you willing for the city to put money into this thing? 905-645-3221 905-645-3221 or star 9900. 905 3221 star 9900. Ben, I didn't hear who we have on the line. Bill is in first tonight. Bill, how are you?
1: I'm good, Scott. Thank you.
0: Thanks for calling. What do you think about this? Now that we have some pretty good idea that I think we can trust, what do you, what's your thought?
1: Well, I wasn't for this project to begin with. And then when the city council and everybody decided, yeah, we're going to go ahead with it. There was never any moment that I thought that they were going to build this for a billion. And then of course the government comes back and says, you know, actually it's going to be three and a half to four billion. Then the city pushes back. Look, I just don't know how we can afford a project like this, especially after we're going through what we're going through right now. And you know, the city's only going to go to one place to get the money to pay for this LRT, and that's from the taxpayers' property It has taxpayers.
0: to. It that's has to, Bill. They have like no other me option. And
1: me and you. They're going to they bump, have, no other they're option. have to bump up our property taxes. They're going to have to bump up property uh, business taxes. They're going to have to increase user fees for facilities. I mean, where else are they going to get the money to pay for this, which I still think is a stupid idea. But nevertheless, it seems like we have a small group of ideologues at City Hall that are pushing this thing. So I just don't get it. I really don't.
0: Bill, I thank you for the call. Appreciate it. we got to go to a break. Uh, To Bill's point, though, there is no other option. It would have to come from taxpayers one way or another, whether through user fees or for taxes. So it wouldn't be in one year. But yes, we, if the city jumps in, we do pay for it. Some people say that's a great deal. Others, not so much. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We've heard a lot about the LRT again in the last 24 hours or so with the Auditor General's report. Coming out with a number of 5.5 billion that has been bandied around, that's been taken issue with, that's been argued about. But now that we have an independent person, I, I, I think we can give it some credence. I don't know the number is exact, but I put more faith in this number because it's from someone independent than I do from any government of any stripe because some are pointing, making the number lower, some are making the number higher than we think. This I, I think we can now count on, but here's where we are. The provincial government says they're good for a billion like they've promised all along, no more, no less. The federal government has a transit project funding policy That says the province can kick in up to a third and the federal government will do up to 40% if the city pays 27% at least. Well, that means the city of Hamilton for a five and a half billion dollar project is in for about a billion and a half. Now that we know, do you want to do it still? Or do you want to do it more? Is it a great deal? 905-645-3221, 905 645 star 9900. Michelle joins us on the line today. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. Hello,
2: how are you tonight?
0: I'm great, Michelle. How are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm trying to hang in there.
0: Well, so, that's good. What do you think about this?
2: Okay, so initially when it started, I was kind of in the middle. Like I had lots of questions to ask, but as I, you know, researched and done, so I'm no LRT at all. I don't know why... Um, like for the outlying areas, like water down further out on the mountain, it's not going to help people come into the city. So I don't know why they don't put more focus into buses. Cause that seems Mich- to be better, better idea. That,
0: Michelle, that's a, it's something that certainly a lot of people have talked about, about the outlying areas. I have a right. lot of calls I got to take, but thank you for okay. calling in. It's a great idea. Thank you so much. Call again sometime. We'd love to have you. Brenda. Is joining us now on the show. Brenda, how are you tonight? Hello. How are you, Brenda?
2: Good, thank you very much. I'm we now know the that LRT. we might have to I think we say, say that spend again. the money.
0: You, you think we should spend the money?
2: Absolutely. Nothing is free in life. You can't have something for nothing. So, for counselors and for people to say they don't want to spend one penny, then we can't improve our city. We can't get ahead. We can't mo- modernize. We have to be able to spend some money and get our city progressing into the and you know into modern times and be ahead rather than behind other smaller cities in this province.
0: I think a lot of people like the idea of modernizing and like the idea of doing things that really help the city. I think on that point you would have a lot of support. The question that I think a lot of people would have is where does the money come from? Because we'd be on the hook for about a billion and a half dollars.
2: But it's not all at once. It's, it's It's true for a number of years, like 10 years or plus or something like that. And that's fine. You know, it's like a mortgage. Either you get the most house for the money when you go get a, your first house and you mortgage it to the hilt and you make do with what you got. you want to get the most for the amount of money you can get. So I think, I think we have to look ahead and we have to try to, you know, be progressive And try to keep our city uh, moving forward with the times rather than, you know, in the olden days. I really think we need to get on board and get this thing done and stop talking about it.
0: Brenda, I thank you for your call and I thank you for your vote for doing it. Thank you. Have a great night.
3: Okay. Let me go to
0: Chris. Chris, how are you tonight?
3: Oh, I'm as good as anybody else is out there.
0: Fantastic. I hope that's a really good thing then. (laughs) What do you think, (laughs) Chris? Yes.
3: From the beginning, I've always been in favor of LRT. The problem I have is the way it was presented to people. Being a businessman, being a marketing person, we forget what's included. Right outside your door is a bridge that goes over the 403. That bridge must be rebuilt in the next five years. That is not an option. The city has to rebuild it. We have to pay the bill. Under the LRT, because it was going to go across that bridge, the LRT was going to pay for that bridge. All the sewer work that goes down King Street, some of it is in excess of 100 years old. There is thoughts that some of that sewer work is wooden. It needs to be replaced. Do we get the province to help pay for it, or does the bill become a 100% Hamiltonian's bill? This was the problem. It wasn't just about LRT. Anybody could have put an LRT down. We could have put an LRT down the middle of the road. And, you know, it would have been cheap buses. Here it is. Build it. I was in Calgary. I've heard the same arguments in Calgary about their LRT when it was first built. And now look at the city of Calgary. They have four lines of LRT. Vancouver has four lines of LRT. Why does this city not want to move forward?
0: Hey, Chris, so it looks like uh, Scott may have had some issue with his phone line, which is joyous and wonderful and like that. But don't worry, uh, we are going to have to go to a break for this. We appreciate your call, Chris. Thank you very much. It really is appreciated. Not a problem. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. That was a first. In case you're still with us, my apologies to Chris, who was talking and I'm sure making spectacular points. And Fred and... Richard and whoever else was still on hold of the power. I'm, I'm doing this from the home office, from the home studio and the power went out halfway through Chris's words, which as I say, I'm sure were the most intelligent thing you're going to hear on the show all night. So apologies to Chris and everyone else who was waiting. That's, um, did not, that's not happened before. Let's just hope that we get through the rest of the show with power fully intact. And thank you to Ben for being nimble with that one. Cause Ben was not expecting that either. Let us move along here. And as I say, we will hope we, uh, we do this full power the rest of the way. Uh, tonight, today, tonight is, um, is one of those anniversaries that is, is we remember we don't, we wish we didn't. It's, it's, it's a really sad, it's a really impactful anniversary. 40 years ago tonight, you may recall in the middle of a Monday night football game that Howard Cosell was calling John Lennon was assassinated. Um, one of the most famous people in the world at that time, 1980, December 8, 1980, one of the most famous people on the planet. Uh, You know the story, I don't have to go into all the details, but it makes me wonder, it makes a lot of people wonder. I know a lot of people today, I've heard a lot of his music and a lot of people saying, you know, I want, what if, and it's one of those questions we can't really answer, but we're going to bandy it about anyway. What if, what if John Lennon had not been killed and had still been with us, what might have what might he have done? What might the world of music been, if any different? Eric Alper is a publicist. He's a music commentator. He is, of course, a shameless idealist, as we say every time. That's his Twitter handle. He joins us now. Eric, thanks for doing this today.
4: Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, I wonder, have you ever thought about that? If you ever, I mean it's a it's it's a question we can't possibly answer, but what John Lennon might have still produced or added to the library of popular music if he had not been killed
4: i think he would have loved twitter i think he would have loved social media and the times that we're in of exposing all of our wounds inside and being as authentic and real as possible um i think he would have continued to um to record music um in the most heartfelt way possible and the reason why i think that is because that's how he started You know, when you go through the Beatles catalog, and there's not a lot of songs there. There's only about 150 Beatles songs of about three and a half minutes long, as opposed to, say, the hundreds of the Stones or Bob Dylan or even Neil Young. So the fact that from the beginning, he was writing about things from his heart and from his gut, songs like In My Life and Help and um, A Day in the Life was extraordinary coming from, one person. And then in his solo career, having a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol and violence towards women. But he was also, you know, a human being. I mean, he was a guy who had violence in his life, but preached peace. He was a guy who had riches beyond all of our means, but also sung about having no possessions and um, the ability that he didn't have it all figured out he was always a work in progress much like all of us are i think he would have continued on trying to find the solution to his inner struggles
0: i i I would love to believe and maybe it would be the case i would love to believe that john lennon would have carried on and continued (laughs) writing being a prolific writer and popped out all kinds of songs that we would still love i do wonder though and i'll tell you why um, after about 1980, if you look at the list of hit songs from Paul McCartney, it's not very long. I mean, he's got some, but it's not very long. And, and you just wonder, I mean, I, I always think that artists have a a, a sweet spot or a, a time in their life when they are the most productive. And I do wonder if we got the best out of John Lennon already.
4: You know, that's an excellent point. I, I think the, the issue though, um, and I would agree with you, the issue is muddled a little bit because because John Lennon died in such a tragic way and so young. I think a lot of the music criticism and music industry that was directed towards Paul McCartney was completely unwarranted. It's almost like he got punished as we were putting John Lennon on a pedestal that I'm sure even John Lennon would have found a little bit embarrassing. But in the 80s, though, you had a lot of veteran and heritage artists that were having some pretty big success, whether it was Genesis or the Moody Blues or Yes or Steve Miller They were all having pretty phenomenal hits in the 80s, thanks to much music at MTV. And I think that John Lennon, with the help of Yoko Ono, who came from the independent film background, would have loved to create something for MTV in their own special way. Um, You know, it was funny, because I I was almost convinced up until this week that the Beatles would have reformed and performed out live, but Paul McCartney came out this week and said, not a chance. There was no way that John Lennon would have um, wanted to share the spotlight with Paul, even though Paul was having a little bit of success. I mean, Paul McCarthy lost a little bit of his way, too. You know, he would be the first to admit it, that that he was trying to replicate the Beatles. And I don't think John Lennon was trying to replicate the Beatles. It's funny because John Lennon loved being in the Beatles more than the other three. And I think he hated being in the Beatles more than the other three as well. So John Lennon, I think, had come to terms with the fact that he didn't need to record Beatles-esque music. I think Paul McCartney never really got out of that, whether it was he was too busy thinking about his audience or that was just the way that he wrote and performed.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Eric, before the break, you were saying you wonder if the Beatles would have ever got back together. I tell you what, first of all, because of the immense amount of money that would have been thrown at them eventually if they were still around, I think eventually it becomes too tempting. And the other thing is, remember that story? It's a very famous story about Saturday Night Live and Lorne Michaels (laughs) in the first year of Saturday Night Live, and Lord Michaels jokingly said, if the Beatles will come and play three songs, and I think it was like 3000 bucks or something, and the story goes, Lennon and McCartney were hanging out at the Dakota that night, only a few blocks away from where it was being filmed, and talked about going down and doing it, and McCartney yeah. has confirmed this story, and I, 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 th- I listened to that, and I think, there is no way that at some point, they wouldn't have decided to go and do it again, there's just no way
4: yeah you know the only reason why they they didn't go to snl was because they were too high and stoned to get off of the couch but they loved the idea of of going on and surprising and blowing everybody's mind and i think that that's also why we're talking about john lennon 40 years later because they never had an opportunity to do anything again you know They, I I brought up in the last segment about how much John loved being in the Beatles. They all did. They had their own language. They were the only four people on earth that could truly understand what it was like being in the world's most popular and recognizable group in history, not even in music history, but in any case. And I think that they, I think John would have, thought about you know the little dirtiness of doing things for the money but maybe just getting back to the people and doing the thing that they love to do um which was which was performing i mean it, it took a little bit of time for them to get back in the road all four of them um in their solo career because it was just too loud for them to perform back in 1966 the screams were unbearable and they couldn't even hear their own instruments, but when they all went solo, you know, almost all of them had a regularly tour schedule, except for John, who kind of just gave up the limelight
3: altogether.
0: A reason why I think they might have. uh went and saw Paul McCartney when he was in Hamilton here a few years ago, and when he sang his solo stuff, you know, people were, were happy to hear it, stuff, but it was when he started into any Beatles song, the place went bananas, and you know, I, I know they're human, I know they're you know, they say that they wanted to break away from that. There is a point at which that kind of celebration of something you did, even if it's as you were a kid, it's really hard to not, if that is, if that, if that opportunity is there to enjoy that kind of acclaim, it's really hard to say, yeah, I'm not interested in having people go crazy for something I did.
4: Yeah. And, and there's no, there, there's very few people that live, that love the spotlight as much as Paul McCartney. And rightfully so, he's just a phenomenal performer. And even he didn't want to perform any Beatles songs for a number of years in the seventies until the late seventies, where he begrudgingly started adding a couple of Beatles songs to the catalog, uh, to his live show, because, you know, even he realized that, you know, maybe people didn't want to come for just his solo stuff. But it's, it's interesting and fascinating, though, because you know, uh John and Yoko both knew that the music world, especially punk music and music like the B52s and Devo, loved and was influenced by the music of John and Yoko, and he might have just loved the idea of having synthesizers and having a whole band and orchestra in his keyboard that he didn't really need to perform with anybody, but I think John wanted acceptance too. I think he was like everybody else. He's just a little kid looking for applause around 8 o'clock at night in front of a large group of people, and uh, and he would have missed it. But, you know, it's so hard to say, too, because all of our all of our perceptions about what ifs are solely based on the fact that they never even had a chance to acknowledge the nostalgia period that the Beatles... Right, right.
0: The Beatles right.
4: weren't even cool until the CDs came back out again and a whole new generation discovered them.
0: Well, uh, yeah, the nostalgia thing and what you just said, like, think of the people who may be younger because there's that thing they talk about the the 27 Club where you've got Jimi Hendrix and Buddy Holly and, um, you know, a bunch of others who right died now. at when they were 27. But even someone like Elvis, you got so many of these performers who died too young and that locked in their legacy right at that point. They never had a chance to either better their legacy or to tarnish their legacy. We just remember them for that and you know I, I I do wonder. I mean John Lennon had had was willing to speak things that may not have always been popular and you said about social media, you wonder if he might have talked himself into trouble at some point along the way. <laughs> we'll never well, know okay. because his legacy is frozen at that moment and it's a very perfect moment. I mean you didn't want him to die, but it's a perfect moment for him to be remembered.
4: Yeah, and, and we do that. We we put um we put people who have died much too young um, in legendary and iconic status, and um, and that's that's the that's the legacy that you don't get to share in when you die that early. You know, I don't think that anybody would have wanted to trade it for anything else. But you know, e- even as we talk about the nostalgia period, that wasn't even it wasn't even a concept until the baby boomers started being in position to power, especially at radio stations, to create. You know, classic rock radio stations and mm. retro radio stations allowing people to never get rid of the music that they grew up listening to. And it seems like just as the Beatles seemingly have exhausted all releases and we're done with them. Oh, here come the Beatles on CD, And now here come the Beatles on iTunes seven years later and anthology and the One Greatest Hits album, and now here they are in rock band. So they've never really gone away, which, you know, uh, you really couldn't say that about a lot of other groups at the time, it, but they led the way for the Stones to be cool again, and, and all of these artists that continue to play summer festivals year after year.
0: It is, um, look, we, nobody was wanting John Lennon to be killed um, and nobody is upset that Paul McCartney is still alive and doing his thing at 81, 82, 83, something like that. But there is also something, as I said, and we got to go, there's something, I don't know what, it's hard to imagine what John Lennon would be at 80. And it's there's something kind of, you know, in in a weird kind of way, great about remembering him. At his peak, almost, and you know, I mean, look, as I say, nobody wanted him gone, but um, that's that's, you know, it's like Princess Diana. How how different do we view her if if she's sixty one, sixty two years old now, as opposed to thirty six when she dies? These are these are these are legacies that get frozen, as I say, and um, it allows us to remember them pretty uh, pretty much as we like to remember them. Eric Alper, it's thanks for doing this. Always appreciate. it. Sorry, go ahead, really quick.
4: It's a love that lasts forever. I mean, that's exactly. Never changes. Never changes. Never gets old. frozen in our memory. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.